Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Jake. I'm feeling zen today because I am on the West Coast. I'm in LA to do my show with my dear friend Marsha Belsky tonight. By the time you're hearing this, it will have already happened. Um, so if you missed it and you were in LA, and if you chose to go to Dua Lipa instead because we did book our show the same day as Dua Lipa, that, uh, don't tell me that because I'll never forgive you for it. But anyway... This episode this week is with one of my dear friends, an iconic New York stand-up. Uh, she has a show called Sunday School that happens every single Sunday at Sour Mouse on Houston Street, a bar that I thought was called Sour Moose because I'm bad at reading for a full year. Um, but it's a great show. Check it out. Um, she is huge on TikTok. She has she's such a fucking good comedian. She has an incredible podcast called We're Having Gay Sex that I have been a guest on multiple times. Check that out. It's so good. She's so funny. She's so smart. This conversation's really great. I'm going to stop talking so you can get into it. Please enjoy me going out with Ashley Gavin. I'd never been to Mexico before, okay. but we would, Nor have I. we'd, we'd pull into Mexico and there'd be a, what they call the drugs in Delhi in at this Island called Cozumel. And I would just load up on Z packs <laughs> and like, I'm I, so jealous. I, what did I call them? I gave them all different names. Like I called the Xanax Xanmex and <laughs> it was just like, we, you know, you it's here in America. It's perfectly legal there. And I yeah. know, and I know everything's fine, but like, it's also just kind of fun and a I little dangerous to be like, not really sure how this works over here. And I didn't know you can buy like Xanax and Z-Packs like over the counter in Mexico. Over the counter. I did not know yeah. that. That's yeah. fascinating. I knew that it was like cheaper because it's not like a poisonous healthcare system. Like yes, ours, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, but I didn't know that they were also over the counter. That is fascinating. You know, I would take a Z-Pack once every three months just to kind of like reset Well, I have system. some from Mexico if yeah. you would like it. I'll call you if not because my mom also loves to stockpile medicine and be like, I'll be like, oh, my toe hurts. And she's like, I have a Vicodin. I'm like, why do you have a Vicodin? <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, you're not supposed to, I'm acting like I'm such an expert in this. I did this like one time. No, totally. Um, but I got them because I was really afraid I would get ill on the, I get sinus infections. So I was so afraid that I well, would get sick on the cruises. Well, they say are like where you go to get sick. Like, yeah. It's just incubation. I've lines. never gotten sick. That's I've done amazing. so many of them. I've never gotten sick. Uh, cruise people love their- I've heard it's like a culty thing. It's okay, so, so this culty. ties into going out because I've heard that it's a very specific type of person who likes to do like a cruise. Yeah. Like, and they, I'm not, and also it's funny because in the gay world, being a cruiser means a very different thing, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like cruisers, but like I- It is quite the opposite. Yeah, it feels, it's truly the There's opposite. very little sex. That's the thing. It's very like, it's it's like an extension of like the Disney thing of like- It's a little bit of adult curated, Disney, like yeah. curated experience. Yeah. Here's like the tracks you go down. It's very strange to me. Yeah. Did you, so you, did you- what do you, what is like your experience outside? Obviously like the job itself performing, I know is challenging to like cruise crowds. But well, like- I actually really enjoyed it. Just, okay. I, just so people know, like I, it was a great gig. Like as an up and coming comedian, like to perform every day, sometimes twice a day for half an hour in like a great room with great sound and a crowd that wanted to be there of like 500 people. That's totally. like dope. Like that's awesome. No, that is amazing. They I- also hate gay people, but you know, you win some, you lose some. <sighs> that was what I, but I guess- <laughs> So that aside, what was like the experience of your off hours on the cruise ship, like living on a cruise ship? Dude, it was really fun. Well, because I was there for like 10, maybe I had like a run back to back of like three weeks. Okay. So like maybe like 21 days on the boat. Yeah. That was the longest I've ever done. But like, I just, everything is so close. It's sort of like, it's like Disney or even like camp in kind of a way. Everything you need is right there. So there's no like, and you don't have internet. So there's no Wait, when like you life. Tell me that there's no internet on cruises, I truly was you like- You have to buy the internet, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a billion dollars. <laughs> so that's why I'm stocking up on the drugs when As I get to Mexico. I'm not- like, I'm going to die out here. <laughs> I need to have an emergency situation. Did the staff not get free Wi-Fi? No. That's unbelievable to me. Oh, it- th- 
Is it because it's like one dial up and they're like, if more than 10 people are on it, it goes down? <laughs> the <laughs> ship literally sinks. They're like, who is downloading porn right now? We are going, <laughs> someone is penetrating and we are penetrating the sea. Um, <laughs> um, no, I don't, I think it's just because it's capital. Anything that takes place on a boat is like the most extreme form of capitalism, capitalism. because there's no laws or regulations. Totally. So they can pay people so little and then like gouge them for oh, right, everything. It's in international waters. It's in so international it's like, waters. It's a horrible situation. <laughs> oh I wish that I didn't have to do it. Um, but no, you know, for a long time it paid the rent. And they pay they treat the comedians really well. It's like a whole classist situation too. Like the comedians are like from America. Oh, so like God. we get treated differently than the staff that's like from around the world. And that's, it's awful. Okay, yeah, that's really brutal. But also thank you. And <laughs> I am available for the New Year's Eve one if you guys are still looking. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible yeah i don't think i would do well on a cruise on your like we are friends like friends who don't hang out we're, become, we're, becoming, <laughs> we're becoming friends, friends. i think I that is say. a great way to describe it i um, hope you like me like i have a I weird like thing you. about you liking me wait really yeah Explain. i really want your approval and your love wait you've never <laughs> expressed this before and that's really interesting to me okay wait i like you do you not okay. think i like you i wasn't sure how much you liked me I feel like we've, we, there was that one week, like three weeks ago where we saw each other like four times in one week. Yeah. And I was having like a mental breakdown and I'm feeling a lot better now. <laughs> Good. I can tell you're feeling, I, I actually can genuinely tell like you're in a better space. I could like energetically sense that. Much better. Like, okay. She's in a better, she's having a better week than she was last month. That was like the worst week I've had in a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Like I, but I had met you. I think if that had been the first week I met you, I would have been like, damn, but I had met you before. <laughs> so I knew that there was like range. I was like going through it. I was like going through relationships shit and like professional shit and I was like working 100 hours a week I was in such a bad place yeah you were definitely like in an intense space where you're better I do like you it's ins- I feel like I don't think I've ever anyone's ever I can you tell I'm like speechless by this notion I feel like I'm not someone that people turn to for approval really no I feel like I don't get you're so funny that's and very cool thanks see those are two things I don't think about look myself. at your jumpsuit see I feel like a fraud in this jumpsuit for everyone <laughs> knowing I'm wearing a Dickies jumpsuit today no no you're not a fraud okay thank you please paint my apartment see the problem with me wearing a Dickies jumpsuit like this which is like a fashion statement in New York is like I'm actually built like a mechanic like, <laughs> so like right you're not like a twinky little non-binary <laughs> kid yeah. from Brooklyn like with like a mullet it's like I have a beard and I'm like 225 pounds and like six foot one and like I, I just lied I'm six feet flat um but like no in a you're mechan- over six but, feet that's all that matters but I'm like in a mecha- like I look like a mechanic like it and I can't do an oil change so it does feel fraudulent on like it's like I don't queer present so I don't like I don't queer oh, present yeah. enough to justify this yeah. and I don't math I don't have the mask skills to justify this jumpsuit so somewhere in the middle I, feel I like am a, a straight fraud. man wearing this is actually gonna fix your car a hundred percent there's no straight man that wears a jumpsuit like in a fashionable way. And if there is one, I don't like him. Yeah. I bought a short sleeve. When I bought this, I also bought a short sleeve brown one. And that one I was like, I'm, I, I look like I like am a waste Work for UPS. Yeah, I, like UPS janitor, like, um, like garbage man, like anything like a brown short sleeve jumpsuit in my body type. I was like, Oh, I literally look like I do a trade for a living. And like, I don't, so I need to stop. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I don't think I'm not someone who I feel like it's perceived as cool. I think people like me and I'm nice, but I would, I don't feel like I'm part of like the cool crowd ever. So it's interesting to me that you, Oh, I think you're part of the cool crowd. That's very nice of you. I'm never in the cool crowd in comedy. I've been trying to figure out how to break in for so long. And I think recently I've, I've accepted that it will just never be. See that. But I, the thing is, I also think the cool crowd doesn't exist. And I think this is true. Shut up. That's something someone in the cool crowd would say. You're such a fucking dick in your jumpsuit. (laughs) No, we're not even like, we don't even, it's like not even really a thing. Like we hang out, but like, it's not even, it's not even real. Like we're very, like, we're all just individual people. We're all human. Is like so much of that is what I was going to say. No, but like, I was like, but I don't think that's just you in comedy. Like, I don't think if you are. If there, there's like, I'm fuming. Okay, but understand if there's like if there's like if there's two versions of it, right? There is, there's like a um if there's like an actual crew of people that is like we are a crew and we hang out and we have named ourselves and we are like a clique, like that is inherently profoundly lame. Like right, like if they, you know what I mean? Like of the, course they don't say that. No, but like I'm saying, but that but there is that version of it where people like do kind of identify as a crew. Do you there know what I mean? There are crews, right? I think that that is inherently lame, and I think. 
You're orbiting that world, man. You look out if you really think it's if it's no. Late. But my my other point is like then there's the other version of it, which you're is like, so happy about this. No, you're like, I'm not. She I'm part of the cool crowd, and now I have to let her know that she'll never be in the inner circle, and I have to deny happening. the existence. I'm of getting the cool canceled crowd. on my own podcast. You're not getting canceled. <laughs> I made I called Xanax Xanmex earlier. Please <laughs> fucking cut that. <laughs> I don't want people to leave here thinking that I think it's different Xanax. It's the same Xanax. I'm just trying. No one knows me. I don't even do drugs. I show up to Mexico. I'm like, please give me the Z-Pack. Like, that's my the equivalent of me, like, going fucking wild, you know? <laughs> but anyway. But no. Do you guys want some Xanax? Because I would give it to you to be in the cool crowd. I've never taken Xanax. I think I'm, I'm I would like it, so I'm not going to take it. I take, it. like, literally half of one to fall asleep, like, every few months when I'm super stressed out. Oh, thank out. God. I thought you were going to say every night, and I was like, that sounds like a huge problem. No, no, <laughs> I just use it when I'm, like, so, so, so stressed out that I can't sleep. No, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I use, um, I use CBD for that. That's my big sleep. I have CBD, too, yeah. I'm a big sleep, but... Yeah. So, but I was going to say the other version of it is what I think kind of what you were saying though is like people view a group of people on social media can make it look like people are like rolling in a crew where it's like really probably not that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I still think that there are like, (laughs) do your listeners care about this at all? I still feel like there are groups. There's like a group and I'm not going to name any names because then it sounds like a negative thing because I respect a lot of these comedians and I like these comedians, but they're part of like, a crowd, a group of comedians that sort of has been deemed like, this is like, there was an article that came out and now everyone's going to know some of the people that I'm talking about, but I already feel like these people have passed into a new place, but like the, you know, the brat pack of comedy type of thing. Oh, I miss this. So I actually don't know who it is, but. That's great. Yeah. Don't Google it. (laughs) And know that I respect and think these comedians are really great, but also there is a little bit of a clicky vibe. Right. Yeah, I get that. Like, if you read that article, you're like, okay, that sucks because I'm, like, not in that. That is not <laughs> You're <ideal>. like... <laughs> what if it's, like... it's like You're, you're literally like, just, like, and you're not in the article, and <laughs> that kind of sucks for you. <laughs> but I'm not in the article either. I'm just... But you will be. Okay, I don't think I will be, but I think my point is, like, this ties... In, okay, wait, this ties into what... I was talking with another guest about this, where it's, like, people social media and media can make you feel like there's one click that's the place to be or, or like there's one bar that's the place you have to go sure, one sure, restaurant sure, you sure, have sure, to sure. go there's like one thing that no, is no, the no. thing yeah. and it puts us in the headspace of them being like I gotta go to that thing I gotta get in with that group I gotta do that thing. I don't feel that way anymore right I know because this group that, exists because that's gonna prevent you from ever actually doing anything cool because then it makes you into a wannabe you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. if you're going to the restaurants that everyone's telling you to go to if you're trying to be at the coolest spot once, like, something is deemed the coolest spot, it's not the coolest spot anymore. What if you are a wannabe and you're okay with that? I think that's okay. Okay, great. I think that, but I don't <laughs> think you're a wannabe. Yeah, I, I'm doing comedy. You're very much doing your own thing. Yeah, I'm doing my own thing. And you're also someone, like, you don't, like, I also think a big part of it is, like, you don't drink. You don't, like, go. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're not, like, part of the. It was never a social event for me, comedy. No, right. And you're not, and there is, like, a aspect Like, and I feel like in my pre-pandemic life, I saw a lot of this and maybe even like, to be honest, was like kind of doing it to an extent. Like there's, you're towing the line between what is me actually trying to do comedy and like move my career forward through my comedy and what is like social climbing? Like what is me trying to like leverage my social life and and opportunities? And I am truly horrible at social climbing. I am like really fundamentally bad at it. But that's what I like about you is like, I don't think, (laughs) I think you are authentic because you can't, you're like bad at social climbing. Like I don't think- because to be perfectly honest with you, you're too, like, you're too blunt. Like, you're yes. too, like, very direct and, like, you'll yeah. say exactly what you're feeling and wanting. So I'm like, Yeah, oh, people like, fucking hate it sometimes. They love it and they hate it. Well, like, it's a very visceral reaction to me. To you or to, like, the, the bluntness, like, the hard, the raw, like. The a, bluntness. Yeah, I get that. Like, but I think that's because some people can't handle that sort of, like, level of just honesty and, like. Maybe. Yeah, well, I think it's like... Or I'm just like being a cunt. I don't think you're being a cunt. (laughs) I am a cunt, but I'm a really charming cunt. Like, I'm a likable cunt. Okay, I say like if you... You can call yourself that. If if anyone else ever called that, you called you that, I would absolutely have a huge issue with them. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Because I don't... I don't think I've never big seen, strong man in your jumpsuit. <laughs> I'd kill them. No, I'm just <laughs> well, that was so straight. <laughs> I just like flex. Um, no, but like I don't. 
there's a difference between being, because I've never seen, I've seen you be very blunt and very direct and very like frustrated, but I've never seen you be mean. No, I try not to be mean. Yeah. But I also don't think you have a cruelness to you. Yeah. I'm a big softy. Exactly. So I don't think, and that, I respect that line because I always say, I don't like nice people. I like good people. Oh. I find niceness very boring. Yeah. I think it is because that ties into like the social climbing thing. Yeah. You know, and I don't think you're doing that ever. Yeah. Were you there when I told the TikToker? Were you in the room when I did the thing to the TikToker? No. That was probably the bluntest thing I've ever done. Wait, what did you do? So we were at a show with a bunch of TikTokers who had never done comedy before and and or very little comedy, and that's fine. Like I actually respect Oh, the show we were on together. Yes. So we're okay. We're in the green room. I don't think I was in the, maybe I was, maybe it was during my set. It might be the bluntest thing I've ever done in my life. Okay, what did you do? We're in the green room. <laughs> These folks are really talented content makers, but they've never done stand up before. And maybe some of them are on the younger side and don't quite realize that some people have been doing, listener, some people have been doing comedy for eight years and they're still really only doing open mics. And some of those people are actually really good. Yeah. And will become famous. It's a grueling, horrible, horrible art form. I don't know why any of us do it. Yeah. Because like, it's like, there's an aspect of it, like you're, you do need to work hard and you do need talent, but also like there's, there is an aspect of like, you need to be lucky enough to be the one the claw machine grabs. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. the aliens from fucking Toy Story. And it's like, yeah. and for some people, you're the right. The claw like machine comes early. The claw machine comes early. And for some people it comes really late and it's not yeah. an indication of their talent or their work ethic necessarily. Sometimes it is just like that, the opportunity hasn't hit them yet. And yeah. that is what is so awful because it's a twofold thing where it's like one it's hard to know, like, if you're the person who is really talented and working really hard, and you're like, am you're I just, just watching everybody and, go? And you're like, am I bad? But yeah. then also, there are people who, th- they think they're that person, and it's like, you should stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. And so it's hard to know which one of those you are. And yeah. It, so it's maddening. Anyway, so, so you were saying. this one particular content maker who's a little young, um, was like there, and we're performing at the Bell House for 400 fucking people. It was like people. sold out. Massive. It was Unreal, And if you don't know anything about, it was the first time I had done the Bell House and I've been doing comedy for seven and a half years and I am not one of the cool kids. So I don't get booked at the Bell House very often. I'm more of a Manhattan comic or whatever. Um, So we're in the, we're in the green room and this girl, she's never done. She's like, I was like, we were all like, wow, your first time doing comedy and you're at the Bell House. Sold out. That's crazy. Like so many people would literally rip their, handoff for this opportunity and she was like yeah well i i've done and i'm just like i'm like losing my mind <laughs> yeah, i'm in well, a this very is also, bad this place is, for everyone's context this is the week where ashley was having the worst week i'd seen her in and i was like <laughs> you're intense right now yeah i was really intense i was in a really bad place i was like not getting a lot of sleep i'd been like scorned by a woman i'd been like <laughs> scorned by hollywood i'm scorned i'm just totally scorned and this girl is sitting there and she was like yeah actually um i performed for like one other time but it was like an open mic like in a basement with like all these men and like no one was paying attention and I just turned to her and I was like yeah we know (laughs) we've all done that yeah for eight fucking years (laughs) and um yeah I think I was like I need to get in a better place do you know what but the thing about I think what's funny about that is I, I I think you and I were in very different headspaces that at that show because I it was crazy to be like that was was that my first time doing the bell house that might have been my first time doing the bell house it was sold out and and it was like such a oh no it wasn't my first time doing the bell house but it was my first time doing the bell house sold out and I was it's like it's a huge room and I was like holy shit like this is packed out this is crazy yeah. and I was because it was like you and me and like one other comic who like perform regularly and have been doing this for a long time. And then it was like three people who have like never, never done comedy. And I was like, that is, it is jarring. It's jarring. And I think, and I think I was happy for them to be perfectly honest. I was glad they had the opportunity. No, but here's the thing. I was like, I'm so happy that I have the years (laughs) of time to give me context to know how special this is. Yes. I'm excited about this in a way that they're not because like, and that was, that's, I think what makes people so mad is like, they don't even know what they have. And it's like, yeah. And that sucks for them. Cause like, this is, if they're starting here, like they're going to have to really ramp up to like find something that's exciting for them. You know what I mean? That's it's like, true. That's true. I was like, I'm like fucking jazz. I don't know. Don't you think some people kind of can tell? I don't know. I feel like if you have a working head on your shoulders, you should be able to be like, this is 
cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there is, but I do think you still can't recreate, like, yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. recreate the feeling of wanting to do it for seven years and then getting to do it. Yes. You can still no, know, like, this is not. very amazing. My first open mic, I thought, was the best day of my fucking life, and it was... Uh, my first open mic, halfway through, they announced that Robin Williams had died. So that's what happened <laughs> at my first open mic in New York City. Mine, too, and it was the best... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, please. R.I.P. Um, I didn't go up, I walked out and cried. <laughs> that yeah, was, was, I remember what that happened. That was, was awful. My, that was my first time trying to do stand-up comedy in New York City, and I was like, this feels they like They interrupted your set? They didn't even wait till the end of your set? No, it was like, all right, we're gonna... Someone just stood up. No, Robin Williams has died! They went... It was like it was like at Eastville Comedy Club before it became New York Comedy Club, and they were like, Oof. and they they were like, we're gonna take a five minute break. Everyone come, and then everyone come back, and we'll go through the second half half of names, and then so five minute break. Everyone pulls out their phone. Got everyone it. gets the news, and then the host of the open mic when he comes back just does like. I don't even want to say does time because all he did was just like talk about how sad this was and how much he loved Robin Williams for six minutes and then was like all right up next Ashley Gap and I was like I'm not doing this and I left and I was like I'm not doing a set after that like it's that's what open mic comedy is that's like such a great explanation of what yeah open mic he also was like visibly ill not Robin Williams like the host of the show was like I don't feel good and like had like a stuffy nose and he was like Robin Williams died and I was like this sucks like I'm leaving but it's just yeah you I think but eating all that shit makes it yeah. the Sunday taste better when you get the Sunday. Yeah, for sure. You know? And I've eaten so much shit. Has comedy, like, so, because you, you've never been someone who's, like, drank or gone out in a partying sense, right? No, like, never. Was, we've talked about you go, we've, I know you're, like, you love a restaurant, you love a date, but yeah. we're not, like, we've never been a rager. Yeah, no. Has that, as someone who's, like, never done it, has that, have you felt that that has, like, empowered your social life over the years throughout your life, hindered it, challenged it? Like, what is that? Especially because oh, like, you went to college, you went like you've just been in, and then you're in comedy. These spaces where I think partying. And going I think out my are friendships very... are like very real. Yeah, I have a very small circle of friends that I've had for years, and totally. whenever I make a new friend, they are usually like a friend for life, and I'm going to be very, very close with them. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like when I was in college, like other people were like hooking up. I wanted so desperately to just like hook up and like understand what yeah. that means and when you don't have alcohol in your system i think it's probably just like a lot fucking harder yeah you, you know I'm... and now i can do it <laughs> i've like fit, learned the skills totally. to be able to do that and um but when i was in college like i never got to just like and i went to Bryn Mawr, i went to a women's college and like everyone's fucking gay or thinking about it or bi <laughs> or whatever totally gay till may or whatever and um yeah, I just wanted that so badly, but I couldn't do it because I didn't drink. You know, it's yeah. so weird to go and stand, especially when you're in college where like, that is the lubricant. Like no one has any other coping mechanisms or social skills to facilitate I mean, I that. definitely leaned on it hard. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I would just walk into those environments for like every year. I think one time I'd be like, maybe this time I can like be having the fun and I would go- and I'd be like, nope, 15 minutes, like, nope, and yeah. go back to my dorm room and play Call of Duty. <laughs> Just to simulate violent warfare. And you're like, this is peaceful to me. <laughs> but then, and how has it been in comedy? Because I feel like that's another space where it's like, it's so frustrating. It's frustratingly. I entrenched. feel like I've like beefed up my social skills. In the beginning, yeah. I was like, it wasn't until like two or three years ago that I like figured out how to like, be in this environment without being drunk and have fun with people. Yeah. Honestly, you kind of have to host a podcast. <laughs> you, to hold space for like genuine conversation. Yeah. and But like, I'm the host. This is not about me. This is about you. You're the guest. Oh, interesting. When I'm talking to people. And I actually enjoy that so much more. Why do, why do you feel like that dynamic can't happen like out and about? I do think it can. Okay. I'm saying like I had to, oh, I had to learn the skill. You. Got you. I All didn't right. have the alcohol to like be, make the social lube. You know what I mean? Yeah. What became the social lube was me like having like a really deep, genuine interest in everyone that I've ever met, which I know sounds antithetical to everything I've said. I'm like, I hate everybody. But the reality is like, if I saw that girl who I was like, yeah, we know. Like yeah. if I saw her today, and like started talking to her, I would like podcast her. I'd be like, yeah. tell me like literally everything. I want to know everything about you. Well, cause you don't do small talk or acquaintances. This is the no. thing. It's yeah. like, that's what it is. And I think that's probably, and it, that's like sometimes, especially like 
when you're drinking in a way that I don't like to anymore, like when I was in college or when I was younger and like when I was definitely like in unhappier times in my life is like you're doing all of this to have conversations that like mean nothing and like disassociate a little bit just to like do the thing. Like I was really unhappy at the college I went to. It was like incredibly straight. It was in Vermont and like it just wasn't like a space where I actually thrived. And so like alcohol and partying was a way to like get myself in a headspace where I could kind of like do the thing and kind of like get by. And I think you are someone I, what I respect about you is that you're someone who I don't think is capable of doing that. Like, no. Yeah. Like truly like in a way that I'm jealous of, I think it's a true gift that you are like unfortunately bound to be authentically yourself at all times. Um, Yeah. Like it sounds like I'm just thinking it would be hard as someone who's like very adaptable. It's it's much easier now. Yeah. And it's made me better at the social situations. Totally. Because people, I do think sort of, especially as people age, when you're, when people are young, they're kind of weird and mean when you're authentically yourself. Totally. I think probably because they're not authentically themselves. Were people finding, this is what I find I'm interested about. Oh, people thought I was such a fucking bitch. Right. Well, this, okay. So this is, if people, when you were like younger and like going through this, people all thought you were like a fucking bitch. Like what made you think you were funny? Like how did you come out of that being like, I'm going to be a comedy, a comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone fucking hates me. My freshman year of college, everyone fucking hated me. That's why. That's what always happens to me. It's like they all hated me. And by senior year, I was like one of the most popular people in my class, probably. Interesting. That's like the dynamic for me all the time. People are like, what is wrong with this person? I love her. That is yeah. the, the essence of who I am. Like You're an acquired taste. Yeah, I'm an acquired taste. Once you get to know me, you're like... Oh, all of like the yelling and the meanness <laughs> is like a shtick and you know? Yes. Cause it's the authenticity. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's real. I'm like really pissed off, but I'm actually quite happy underneath all of that. But when did you, when did you start to think like identify as funny or someone who was very, fun- very young. Okay. Very young. So in spite of it, during these times when everyone's kind of like, fuck this person. You're like, I'm so funny though. Yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) Truly, truly. I was like, why does no one, my freshman year in college in particular, I was like, why does no one understand what I'm doing? Whereas I think in New York as a kid, everyone's kind of a cunt in New York. (laughs) You grow up in New York. It's like just a part of your being, especially like I'm like half Jewish quarter. Technically I'm Jewish on my mom's side. And like, um, you know, I, went to school with a bunch of like other Jewish kids. And we were all like, it's that sense of humor thing that like we all have. And uh, I I think everyone understood that. But then you take that out of New York with like a bunch of other 18 year olds who are like, you know, I'm going to women's college to focus. Yeah, (laughs) You know, like they, it's a little jarring, I think. Totally. And it's like, but that is like, I think, the the everyone in New York is an asshole kind of thing is I think really misrep- misrepresented because it is what it's that thing of not nice but good yeah and the thing is that New Yorkers are good people New Yorkers are good fucking people they're just not nice and yeah. that's what makes me mad about these transplants who move in I'm I say this as a transplant I'm seven and a half years in like I can't claim being a New Yorker yet I know that but I'm saying like the transplants who move in and are dreadful humans and are like, I'm a fucking New Yorker. And I'm like, no, you're a terrorist. Like, you're not a New Yorker. You know what I mean? Like, like do, I think people take that thing of like New Yorkers are rude or whatever to as carte blanche to be like, I'm an authentic New Yorker if I'm literally a foul human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, you have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New you, Yorkers will like pull a kidney out of their body and put it into you, into your body and be like, you fucking asshole, take my fucking kidney. Truly, like, yeah. that is who what a New Yorker there was this, is. I was reading this We're article. We're all in it together. Yeah, I was reading this article about this guy who I think it was up I think it was uptown a kid was having a seizure seizure fell in front of the subway as it was coming a man jumped on top of him to hold him still and oh my kept God. them down and the subway ran over both like safely moved over both of them because if you lie in the center of a subway yes, track yes. it'll go over you this is something I've learned as a New Yorker yes <laughs> save this man's life save this kid's life yeah. by being like stop fucking moving <laughs> You, you little piece of shit. Yes. You little fucking idiot. Stop having a Jumped seizure. his ass in front of a train for another person. I'm like, that's a New Yorker. It's not being like, I'm not going to tip. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think also in other places, like, they don't, maybe it is New York that's part of, like, the authenticity thing. Like, this city demands, like, it's relentless. You kind of just have to be yourself Does here. Does it feel relentless when you grow up here? Where? What part of town did you grow up in? Upper, uh, I, uh, upper East? Above the Upper East Side in Yorkville. Oh, in Yorkville, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, it, it, I think it 
you don't know that until you've left. And right. then you're like, oh, it's all the time. New York is like all the time. Yeah. Constant. Were you growing up in New York? Is it for you? I'm sure obviously it's not a monolith, monolithic experience, but like was, were you a family that was out at restaurants a lot, like eating out a lot or was, were you guys more homebodies? There was this one French restaurant, like a little cafe around the corner that we went to a lot. Um, and my dad, my dad was just like a classic, like 1980s New Yorker, like worked in business, like would love a fucking steak. Yeah. Like whenever there was something fancy, we would go to like what I perceived to be like a New Yorkery, like Italian, like steakhouse. Yeah. That was like what we did when we went on like a fancy, like a celebratory. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. That was what we did. Um, yeah, I guess it wasn't until I was in high school that I was like, oh, I can like just order in Chinese food. Yeah. That's when I like started was I can order in like anything because, you know, I had a little bit of money. I was working in the summer. So totally. like, oh, you know what the New York thing was? We would fuck. This is like quintessential high school. Well, this is the New York episode because there have been sirens for the past yeah. 25 minutes. On, and I didn't notice it till like very, like no, a minute been, ago. it's been like truly 20 minutes. <laughs> Enjoy. Mm. Uh, but yeah, when you. When you're in high school, you can leave school. So like uh, across the board at all high schools, or just most high, school? high schools. I didn't know you this. can leave in the middle of the day. And so what you would do with your friends is like you'd go to the bodega, you'd grab snacks or whatever, uh, and then you'd like walk to the nearest park or like a stoop. Like my, me and my friends like had stoops that we would go to. Oh my god! And yeah, and like eat like Oreos and yeah, and French fries like mozzarella sticks from the bodega and stuff like that. That wow. to me, like, I don't think you get that. And you know, Hey Arnold, it's like Hey Arnold. Yeah. Like, whatever you picture, like, Hey Arnold to be, like, we're the kids on the stoop eating, eat, snacks. eating snacks. That's so interesting. I had no idea that that was part of the New York high school experience. I'm so glad to know that. Yeah. So, we're, has, what is your relationship to, like, restaurants and going out now? Like, a big night, like, a big night out for you. On a night off, there's no shows, unfortunately. And you're I have, okay with that. I have had like very few shows lately, and I just realized it. And I was like, well, fuck, I gotta get booked. I know, same. Oh, okay, good. I think December's, December's feeling slow for me, if that makes you feel better. It does. Yeah, cool. Kate was sick yesterday, and I got to take their slots. So that was my, I got one show in. I need to sit, th- this is stupid. Go, ask your question. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say your relation, like what, like what is like a going out night look for you now, look like for you now? If I can go to like a nice, I, I love, I just love a nice, not even, it doesn't have to be fancy, but I love like just a good vibe. Yeah, the room. Just a nice room. Yeah. And to be able to sit across from someone with like good lighting. I'm such an old man. No, I this just, is, I'm well, the same way. Cause it's like a, it's a, um, it's an oasis, like from the city. A little it just bit. feels so nice. It's almost like going to a show. Yeah. There's like a little bit of theater to it. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I think that, and I think some people, like, I think some people don't get that. And that is what I get frustrated by. Really? Yeah. I do think, like, people who show up, and maybe I experience this more because I worked in restaurants for so long. But, like, I think restaurants are theater to an extent. Yeah. Especially restaurants, more so than bars. Because, like, bars. Oh, definitely. Bars can be, like, something about, like, the theater of, like, being taken to a table, sitting down, there's lighting that was designed, there's music, the score. The forks look fancy and they're set totally. up in such and a way. Like, and it's like you do have to kind of, when you're in those restaurants, I think, and I think this is what people don't understand about like how you interact, kind of interact with like your servers and who's working with you to make the experience better, is like it is a theater experience in the sense that there's like a certain sort of experience that's been designed for you. Yeah. And like, Give into it a little bit. Like, yeah. be down for what they're selling. You know what I mean? When people are like, well, I want french fries and they're on the menu. It's like, babe, that's not this show. Like, right. you know what I mean? Right. It's like, you, if you, you can, you can get that tomorrow. But like, if you want to, if you're wanting to enjoy what we, what this restaurant has to offer, like, you do kind of need to lean into the current of it a little bit and let it take you. And it makes you feel better. Like, the conversation that you have with someone is better. Just like, I don't know. It makes you open up in a way. That's why dates are so fucking nice. Like, yeah. they're just so... You know, you, you're immersed in an experience and then you get to be immersed in this other person. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like probably a little simp bitch. I just like love <laughs> being across the table from someone and being able to look at them and like appreciate them in this very special way. Yeah. You and know, I, I, ta- I love getting dressed up for it too. That's, yeah. Like that's another part of it. You like pick an outfit because you like know where you're going and you want to match like the vibe or whatever. 
See, I'm a people need to take notes out of your book because I think this is really special. Like, oh, thank you. I don't think people do. I really don't think people do this. I don't think people think about where they're going and how to like maximize their own experience for where they're going in the way like because you I was thinking of this also like when I was on your podcast and you were talking about like depending on what kind of date you're wanting to have I feel like that will choose that will influence like what restaurant you'll choose mm, you yeah. know and like that sort of thing and I think that consideration because you are so data driven like <laughs> I, to an extent but it's like but in an, an unauthentic way it's like I don't think people think about that like oh like it will be more fun for me if like I kind of like lean into this in their own like if you're going to like a fancy steakhouse like part of the fun of that is dressing up. Yes. And, I, and I'm not saying like, and I think people get tight about that because they think like, oh, well, I don't want to wear a dress. It's like, no, dress up how you feel. Like what dressing up For means sure. to what you. For sure, what it means to you. But also like, you're going to have more fun if you like, it's like weirdly like role play. You know what I it, mean? It's, well, no, it's theater. It's immersive theater. Yeah. Yeah. A girl came over to my apartment the other night and we were going to order in Thai food and we did not arrange this, but she like came totally in this like cute little sweats thing. And I was in my sweats I mean, and it was like the in, that was like the theme for that date was like the intimacy of like ordering in Thai food and like being on the couch. But like, if you go to like a fancy rest, not even fancy, but like fancy ish, like a place where, you know, you want your, your pants to have like some sort of zipper or button <laughs> on them. Like at a bare minimum, it's a button, you know, a Just, button yeah. and up. A button-up <laughs> restaurant. Just maybe not like an elastic moment. Right, right. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, I went to this place around the corner from here. I don't know how to pronounce it because it's an Asian restaurant. Um, it's called Planta Queen, but I don't know if it's pronounced Planta Queen. I thought it was going to be like, when I read Planta, I thought it was going to be like like Central American, oh, like okay. Latin cuisine, but it was this Asian place. It's like right around, it's all vegan. Ooh, okay. And um, it, like- some of the best sushi I've had, Ooh. like period. But like that's vegan. Like my favorite, one of my favorite restaurants is. Have you ever been to Ha Ha Ha? Yeah, I love Ha Ha Ha. I went there two nights ago for dinner again. I hadn't been in. I hadn't been since before the pandemic, and it was like I was like, this is one of my favorite. It's a Mexican great, restaurant. It's flat great. out not even vegan restaurants. Right. Like, the food there is so. Good. Have you been, Keith? You gotta go. Oh my god, you have to go. It's so good. And there's now, I think, four locations in New York. But the I do. Oh wow, really? There's a West Village location now. There's a Williamsburg location now. Good for them. And I, and I think they also have like a stall in one of those like DeKalb Market like things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. But I was really hoping you were going to say in a bathroom. Yeah, they also have it. Yeah, they have a glory hole. (laughs) (laughs) They have a vegan glory hole. Just a corn cob sticking through (laughs) it. It's sustainably sourced. <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. No, but I fucking love ha 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 so much. But they're yeah. great. And it's like I do think leaning into the, like the vibes of whatever those that is is like so fun. Like I went to Coat. Have you been to Coat? No, it's I don't a, know that one. Coat is a um, Korean steakhouse. It's it's actually not far from here. It's like a few bucks away. Um, but it is like. I described it as like a sex in the city restaurant where it was like you walk in and it's got like the dramatic red lighting, the like entryway, like it's like over the top and ridiculous. But it's like, if you, we were like dressed up nice and we like had our, we had like cocktails and martini glasses yeah, yeah, and yeah. you like feel like you're in the theater of it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you I do. Think that is so fun. And that ties into like, I did, at the show last night I covered for Kate, like there were these two women in the audience. It was my first time since do, being back doing live shows where, like, there were two people in the audience just, like, full volume talking. Oh, my God. I would have fucking actually lost my fucking mind. I, I, I actually should have gone harder on them than I did. Like, I I just did a thing where I, like, held a bit to kind of stare at them until they stopped talking. And, like, everyone laughed That's at them. That's, like, a good way to start. And it, but it did they not. They kept going. They kept going. And I was, like, fuck, I really should have laid in. Because I was, like, se- I was the second comic. And I felt, I was, like, for the service of everyone who went after me, yes. I should have, like, really put them in their place. And been like, you need to fucking stop or leave. But it, but. It, it it's that thing of like why are you here why are you if here? this is what you're doing i hate to sound like a boomer but like you gotta put your fucking phone away and you gotta stop talking i don't care what the show seems like to you it's a fucking show yeah you gotta put your goddamn phone away like please it's disrespectful to the comedian to see that little light pop up they're in the middle of a joke I know. it yeah. might throw their timing off you don't realize it but like you're getting a slightly less good version of the joke every time you pull out your fucking phone. Yeah. The phone thing, the talking thing, I'm like, this is so, I have like an auditory thing where like, oh, you sound can't. stuff like really, like 
if two people are sitting on either side of me and are talking to at two different levels, I like have to move. Like I can't yeah. handle like the cross sound. So like someone talking at a different pace when I'm talking, I like my brain starts to truly short circuit. Well, also like as a pr- any anyone who's taken Psych 101 knows this. If you're speaking and then someone else next to you starts speaking, you will say the words that they are saying because you can't have input going into your ear while verbal output goes out of your mouth. I do that, but texting. Sometimes I accidentally text out yes. the word I'm hearing and it, it, it usually goes real bad. Yes. <laughs> so when you talk during a comedy show, you're quite literally frying the brain of the performer. It's like you're, you're fucking them up. Like, it's not nice to do. Yeah, it's truly... And you, you're like doing a lot of, you're touring a lot. You've been on the road. You've been like traveling to different places where you, and you weren't doing that before the pandemic as much, right? Not really. Not with a draw. Like I wasn't, no one knew who I was. Right. Thank you. (laughs) What has that, like, what have you been learning as you? I can't, um, I can't, I like have formally decided I can't do intimate venues anymore. Oh, interesting. With when I'm drawing. Because I w- I'll go, I've did five shows. Define for me what you consider an intimate venue. A venue that's not designed for performance explicitly, where the lighting might be <sighs> I understand what you're saying. a little higher so everyone can kind of see each other, as opposed to like the lighting that's designed. You need a stage and lighting. I need yeah. a stage and lighting and like a situation where the sound is specifically designed to go out and I'm hearing the laughter and not much of like a mix of like the whole room. I know this sounds like super nitpicky. But the, and they're literally, we're like closer in level. Like they're right. right there. I'm not much higher above them. Whereas like in a room, you might be a little higher above. Um, can't do it anymore because people will, I've done five of those like bar shows. They're big. They're like 130 to 150 people, but they're still in a bar mm-hmm. and uh, people just come and talk to me. They sit right in the front and they're just like, Hey. Like mid-set? Mid-set. They'll raise their hand. They'll, like, speak over me. They'll, like, just... Are they drunk? No. That's... Or th- I mean, yes, but, like, not, like, hammered. It doesn't I've, seem like Some of them the are imp- hammered. But that's not the impetus. It's like, yeah. this. that is so strange to me. Yeah. It's, I like, don't... wild. People, it is so interesting. Some people, when they... And have- I'm so grateful that you're there. Like, truly, I love you. If you're listening to this, I fucking love you. But, like, please, I made a set for you, and I would like to do it. Some people, like, cannot handle not being involved. Like, they start to, like, really experience identity crisis. Like, sitting in an audience <laughs> or sitting in... I watched one time. I'm a I'm a Sleep No More nerd. I've done Sleep No More, like, three times, and I do plan to do it a few more times. It's, like, one of my favorite things. But I one time watched a guy in Sleep No More who I was, like... It was, like, clearly a straight man who... I, I was, like, oh, you cannot handle that, like you have a mask on and cannot receive like any attention right now. Yeah. And that yeah. these performers are. And he was like deliberately trying to fuck up the dances by play. Cause it's, a, have you done sleep no more? No, I'm, I'm just so sorry. No, it's fine. Okay. But we, I think you would like it actually. I, I think so too. We should go. I okay, think you would I'll like go. it. Um, It's very fun, but like it's, there's no boundaries. So like you can walk through something while a dance is happening. No one does. Cause everyone wants to watch the fucking dance because they paid for it because they paid for it. And also it's like telling a story and it's interesting and it's like, well done. And this guy was like clearly trying to do this. And I was like, oh, you think the draw is that you can do this and you can get involved in this way that's like so crazy to me. It's fine. Like, I was like, I, I just think it's so interesting that some people can't handle, it's. I think it's the same thing with hecklers. It's like they start to, dis, like if someone's getting a little too much attention and they are not totally vibing with it or they feel threatened by it, they're like, I have to get involved. And it's like, I, no one's looking at you. I have no idea why... This happens. There are like the weird people that think it makes the show better. There's like a TikTok going viral right now of this guy, Kevin McCafferty. I don't know. Okay. Who uh, is a comic? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Is he advocating for hecklers? I will No, no, down. no, no. The woman, oh, okay. he's like having this back and forth. And frankly, I think he's handling it like so well, like okay. playfully mean. And then she goes, does it not make it better? That I'm, and he flat out is like, no. Yeah. And I actually get that question somewhat frequently, more frequently than I ever thought that I. So you think people are seeing these like heckler heckler going viral videos? I post the videos. Yes. Yeah. I don't think I would ever post a video like that. What they don't know is that 95% of this interaction, if not more, never makes it to TikTok because it's a disruption. Yeah. Then finally you see this curated, edited one minute moment of probably 20 minutes of dis- of constant disruption that has ruined the show. 
the show itself is maybe that clip is like great for online, but the show itself is better if they just shut the fuck up. Yeah, and I think it, that's the disconnect. Because you have to feel safe to laugh. Yes. And the audience, if like someone is violating social contract, the yeah. audience start, stops feeling safe. They're like, yeah. is someone going to address this? This is uncomfortable. The comedians are clearly nervous. It's like, that's why I was really mad at myself when I left the show last night. I was like, I really should have been like, hey, you two need to shut the fuck up or leave. Like, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? It makes people uncomfortable. I've done that. I've had like the, I've done the, hey, people spent money on this. Like, you I am go. not letting you, like, own this anymore. But it makes people uncomfortable. Like, it it truly is, like, a moment they have to move on from. I know. It's like a lose-lose. It's, yeah, it, it really it is. It is kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Depends on the level of the disruption. Sometimes it's worth the awkwardness. Yeah. To then be able to move on. So now for you, it's, on when traveling, it's going to be only, like, theater spaces. Only, only theatrical spaces. Is that spaces. the only thing that's, like, been a realization or, like... Well, it's wonderful. The whole thing is amazing. I sound like I'm, I'm sure. complaining. It's like no, the mo- most wonderful experience of my life to be able to come and bring. Uh, so many people are first time comedian or first time comedy people. They've right. never been to a comedy show, and it's such a gift to give I them know. that experience. And a lot of them think they don't like comedy because why do people think they don't like comedy? It's such a common point of view. Well, I think, okay, wait, I was, this is funny because this reveals that I was literally talking about you behind your back, but in a positive way where I was talking, I was talking to my friend about how- Who was it? Are they in the circle? I don't think you know them, but- Okay. It's my- Maybe I've read about them in a magazine. Okay. <laughs> um, it was Dave Attell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's not part of the circle. I mean, I love Dave Attell, but like, he's not part of the circle. No, but basically like- <laughs> I was saying, okay, like I was talking about how so much of your following is like queer women or queer femme, like yeah. femme people. Yeah. Um, and I was saying how like, I think it's really beautiful and amazing. This was right after I did your show, after I hosted your show and I like saw, and you were, you were telling me like, this is going to be a lot of people in the audience's first comedy show. Oh, and that's I was, right. Yes. I was, it was, I was like kind of mind blown by that. I was like, oh wow. Like Ashley draws out like people from this population who like, this is maybe the first comedy that's like resonated with them or that they've felt safe within. Yeah. And I was saying, I was like, it was interesting because I was like, I've never seen that happen with a queer man. Like, I feel like that is a queer woman experience Mm. in a way. It was just like very interesting to me Mm. because I was, but cause you, I mean, I I got like really heady about it to be honest, but like, I think like I was saying, because I think that queer men oftentimes use, um, in our lives, we use comedy as like our safety net. Like it's yes. okay, I'm gay because I'm funny. Yes. And so I think a lot and of And I times, think the theater is more of a, yeah. I mean, we stage manage on the lesbian <laughs> side, but like but I think, theater's more of a, more of a thing. For, historically has been right, and a I, safe place and for said, gay men. And I think it's like a thing of like, look at my skills. This makes it okay that I'm like, it's like an apolo- it's like a way to kind of make it okay that we're effeminate or that we're gay or whatever. Yeah. And I think that sometimes gay men, when one gay guy, when another gay man is like, I'm taking my, I'm funny enough. I'm saying that I'm funny enough to do this professionally. Yeah. They're like, well, that's a threat to my yeah. humor. That's been the thing that keeps me safe in my social settings and in my family. So who the fuck do you think you are? And people, and they don't like it. Like they yeah. don't like when other the, gay men are funny. And the worst heckle of my life came from a young gay man. Of course it did. Of course it did. Yeah. And it's like, I, it made me kind of sad because I was like, I was so not jealous because I was like really happy for you, but I was like, you can be jealous. It's fine. I, it, <laughs> I, it, I didn't feel, I was so, fu- I was like, I'm going to kill her. Um, no, but this I was fucking I, cunt. I didn't just like realize I could, actually, so this is the thing I do call you a cunt. I'll find you back. No, <laughs> I just like left that show being like, oh wow. Like I wonder it would be so cool. I was really happy for you that you had this like queer audience and I, it was like really beautiful to see. And I was like, oh, I would love to have that one day, but I wonder if it's like as possible for a queer man. I'll tell you right now, I didn't think it was possible for me. I never expected this to go this way. Totally. I couldn't have pictured it in my wildest dreams that a bunch of 23 year old white lesbians would just be like following me around (laughs) places. But that's what happened. (laughs) But that's what happened. Um, No, it's like, you know, like I, I, it's a little more diverse than that, but like, yeah, it's like a lot from TikTok and like TikTok puts basically people who are like you in front totally of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a lot of their first times and I feel a little bit like I'm teaching people to accept the immersive experience. Yeah. If there's any, I guess if there's like a theme to this episode, it's like go to the restaurant, wear the right outfit, put your phone away. 
Yeah, lean into the experience. Lean into the experience of it. That's actually been a theme about a lot of. It's funny to tell people listening to a podcast, put your phone away. (laughs) (laughs) Stop listening. (laughs) But it is like that. That came up in like two interviews recently, also of like how much like unplugging from things and living in like the room that you're in and enjoying it is a big part of it, and like how. I want to resist. I think so much of restaurants right now is about like getting the picture of the food and like tagging yeah. you there. And I think it's the same with comedy shows. It's like getting the picture. It's like, it's like when you're at a concert and you can't see the stage because everyone's holding on their phone to take a video. Yeah. It's like, it's not about turning it into currency for you to show, yeah. you know? And I think the same thing happens at comedy where it's like, you know, the joy of this is like, all you have to do is laugh. That's there, all you have yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. There's psychological research around how if you take something to a picture of something with the intent to share, it actually you people if you take like a survey of like how much you're enjoying something you enjoy it less if you take a picture of it for your instagram is that true yeah but you can enjoy it more if the picture is genuinely for you if you're like i am so so enjoying yeah i'm gonna take a picture for my personal reflection later yeah because the line is gone of like what is for me and what is for for output yeah i got this in my happiness class that i'm constantly evangelizing if you're um if you're listening, if you're a fan of mine and you've heard me talk about this, this is the Coursera Yale Science of Well-Being. You teach, you teach a, you take a happiness class? I took a happiness class like two years ago-ish. And it, you found it really helpful? Dude, I was like fucking suicidal literally and now I'm very happy. Wait, it was like, is, it, it was a life-changing course. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm it, so happy for you. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend it. Cool. I'm also like, I do the things religiously. Like I meditate every day. I, right. Like it helped you find the practice that works yes, for you. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Well, wow, this has been so eye-opening to me because it is, I think the fact, and it makes sense, someone who has never drank, to be the one to be like, no, you need to lean into the experience. Like, stay aware of what's happening Mm. and enjoy it is gorgeous. And don't heckle at comedy shows. Don't heckle at comedy shows. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seesai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. <laughs>